Welcome to 242, a podcast of the Buffalo Vineyard Church, where we explore topics that are relevant to our lives as students of King Jesus. This is episode number one, where I talk to my good friend and art expert, world-renowned art expert, Mark Harley. Together, we talk about the definition of art. We also talk about my ignorance of art, hence Mark's presence here is the resident art expert. We also talk about the relationship between art and truth. We talk about the role of art in the church and faith, and also the role of church in the arts. And then finally, as is fitting for the inaugural podcast, we explore sound effects and new technology. This is our first attempt at a podcast. Um, we're basically doing this because we're trying to figure out the podcasting equipment. Yep. But also Mark and I wanted to have a conversation about art and faith and thought that would be a great way to do both of these things. And then we're going to release it. And so hopefully if you're listening to this, you're interested in art and faith. And hopefully we actually have something meaningful to say about that. <laughs> I'm actually, I think I have some meaningful things to ask. Sure. So hopefully Mark has some meaningful things to say. I don't intend to say anything meaningful at all. We'll see. Cool. Well, so we're going to jump into it. This is going to be what, four hours, five hours? How? <laughs> no, I have no idea how long it'll be, but it won't be that long. Um, so what I, I, I sent you a list of questions. Is there one you want to start with or should I pick one of them? I pulled them up here if you want to reference them. Yeah, but I mean, I'm happy to have you. You're the you're the expert. I don't know if that's Should we true. start there? Why are you, why am I asking you questions? Why don't we start you with You should that? answer that question. Why, okay, why I can tell you, I could tell you why I am asking these questions yeah. and you could answer the question, like, why are you in any way, shape or form an expert that Steve should be asking questions? <laughs> that's fair. How's that? Yeah. So, um... I'm not an artistic person. Um, I mean, I have some like, I can draw and things like that, but I would not describe myself as an artistic person or somebody who's all that interested in the arts, broadly speaking. I mean, I, it's not like I don't ever listen to music or look at paintings or anything, but that's just not like my primary, yeah. Um, having said that, I do recognize like there's a tremendous amount of value in the art world and in art. I mean, I guess the one, the one place where I would say I, is, is in stories. So whether it's movies or books, novels, that's definitely a place where I engage quite a bit personally. And I guess what you would call like the consumption of art. Um, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but, um, but so I, I recognize the value in it, in its impact on individuals and on culture. And as a pastor um, or even just as a, as a, Christian as a person, like I care about culture, I care about its impact on human formation, on me personally, on my kids, on people I care about. And then as a pastor, that ends up being a really important part of what I'm thinking about all the time is, again, like I would define the role of pastor, not completely, but largely as being attentive to human formation, the formation of human beings, which means you have to be a student of culture, you have to be thinking about culture which means you have to be aware of like how art shapes that, how art shapes culture and how art shapes in individuals and how they're formed. So that's kind of like where like my entrance to the, the, the world of art and why it, it interests me. And I mean, I see its value is, is for that, that reason. And then, you know, Mark, Mark can talk more about his, his expertise, but definitely Mark, I've, I've gone to Mark a couple of times and basically asked Mark to give me, it's like the, the, the Steve Shank, um, art appreciation for dummies course, I think is what we could call it. <laughs> anyway, why don't you talk about your background in art and your connection to it and yeah. why you're bothering to try and teach me classes about art <laughs> appreciation. I don't think I'm qualified to teach classes on art appreciation, but, uh, maybe not to anybody but me. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, nor would I necessarily call myself an expert in like the intersection of art and faith, but I think it's something that I've been wrestling with for some time you know um i my my background would be uh someone who uh, i went to art school uh pursued you know working like 
being an artist, pursued working in the art world and for a chapter of my life um, and have slowly been sort of like reconciling with what that looks like for the rest of my life. But um, yeah, I don't, that's kind of like my background, I guess. <laughs> I and then what about like specific, like what specific disciplines or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I studied, uh, when I went to art school, I studied photography and filmmaking was my specific discipline. Um, so yeah, I've got a degree in, in photography, um, which is something that I certainly use a lot even today. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of like my um, qualification or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and maybe why you, why you want to pick my brain so much. And then what about art and faith? Do you have, do you have a background in faith too? Yeah, got a background <laughs> in faith. My, my background in faith uh, predates my background in art. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up, uh, I grew up in Virginia and I, I grew up within a, in a church community in a, a variety of different denominations, um, uh, including Baptists and Nazarene and just a couple of different ones as we bounced around as, as families do sometimes. Um, and then the, the art component began integrating itself in my, uh, with my faith around the time I was in high school. Yeah. And it was your experience in the Baptist church that really drove you to pursue the That's arts. Right. Is that That's right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'll give the Baptist church all the credit. It was creative <laughs> Baptists. That's right. That's like, that, that's the, the denomination I've never heard of before. <laughs> First creative Baptist church. I'm not, I might be qualified to tell you about art, but I'm not qualified to give you uh, the history of the Baptist <laughs> church. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. Why, why don't we, I mean, what, what are some of the, was there a question that, that jumped out to you as a good place to start? Yeah, you've got or? big questions here, Steve. Right. Uh, the first is what is art and what is its function? Yes. You should ask, ask me that question in a more specific way. What, what, what drove you to ask that question? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think, so that, that is related to the second question, which we did talk a little bit about, which is about the relationship between art and truth. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and a lot of these questions come out of my own personal frustrations, not, not deep ones, but definitely frustrations of talking to Christians who also would define themselves as artists mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form and having them say things that I certainly wasn't in a position to dispute because they're the artist and I'm not. Uh, yeah. But also at the same time, often would hear them say things that to me just seemed wrong. Not that everything they said was wrong, but it's like, yeah, I don't know that I can buy that. That doesn't make sense to me. How does that work in light of other places that I see are not, not like lining up with what you just said. And so I guess I've heard like this definition of art as, almost like art is self-expression. Like that's kind of like the definition that I got from a lot of artists over the years and anything other than self-expression is by definition, not art. And so that's where you get like some of those weird, I don't like I, you, you and I have had these conversations. Yeah. How is Jackson Pollock art? And you're like, no, really it is. Check it out. Let me help you figure that out. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I buy it, sure. but, but like that kind of art where it's like I'm, my two year old could do this. I get that it's self-expression and there, there is something cool about it, but it doesn't line up for me with like, that can't be the only definition of art. What do you do with, you know, like we tell, we have, we will probably reference the clip from Pajot mm -hmm. who is an you know, iconographer. So clearly this is, it's the opposite of self-expression. And yet, how do you say that that's not art? Mm -hmm. And so like, that's, that's what I was trying to get at. I think with both of those questions is like, I get that self-expression is a form of art, but isn't it broader than that? And then how does like that question about function, like what is, what is the purpose of art? Is the purpose of art self-expression? Is it the um, communication of like cultural values? Is it the playing around with cultural values or the challenge? You know, I, I don't know what exactly is art. Um, is that, is that help? Is that? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a big question. I feel like that. Uh, has been asked for a long time. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is like ever since I feel like uh, we were our species was like painting on caves. We were like, what's the purpose of this? Why did you do that, yeah. Hug? <laughs> right? Why did you Why did you paint that buffalo on the side of that cave? Um, but I, I think that uh, I mean, so the self expression answer is part of it. You know, mm. I, I think that that is true. The 
that art is is a form of self-expression. I don't think that that is the um, means to an end uh, of like I don't think that's the only reason for it. And I think you could point at a number of uh, what we would maybe call like successful art or good art or just lack for lack of a better way of of um, describing it. But um, it's like a form of self-expression that I think is uh, also sort of a window for other people to sort of view the world in a different way, you know, um, that it's not self-expression like in and of itself, but it's, it's like uh, a way that someone, someone else has expressed themselves that sort of unlocks a, a new way of looking at the world or a new way of understanding a concept or an idea or something like that. So I would say it's like both and, you know, an add on to that concept. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think that's a good enough definition of art either, but I think that's an, an add on. So they didn't, when you went to art school, they didn't teach you what art was? No, not necessarily. <laughs> they they, they only answer that question in, in the school of philosophy. <laughs> that's right. They told us what art wasn't a lot of what art wasn't. Okay. Um, answer that question. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of what we're talking about. Like there's uh it, it, that's like the difference between there is a distinct difference between um, like art and craftsmanship. Right. So I think we spent a lot that. of time talking about that. Um, that's a, that's, it was one of these questions I had for you too. Um, you know, this idea that it, of an art, like a, like say a painting, for example, can't exist just for, I don't know, this is kind of a, a difficult one to unpack. Like a, a painting can't exist like just like a, a beautiful like reprodu- reproduction of like a successful piece of art, for instance. You know, like there's like this, like I can remember being a kid and we would go and st- like uh, I remember reproducing uh, Van Gogh's Starry Night painting. If you know what painting that is, right? Mm-hmm. I remember taking a class in school where it was like, we're going to reproduce this painting, you know, like the, this style of, of painting, um, which at the time of Van Gogh creating, that was like an incredibly bold thing to do, like borderline, like, what are you, what are you even doing? It would look incredibly contemporary to us today. Right. Um, and so like that act of like reproducing that, that's not art, that's craftsmanship. You know, does that make sense? Yes doesn't i mean and this is where i'm way out of my depth right so i like know just enough to ask the question (laughs) i mean my understanding is that that would be a western way of defining art that like eastern concepts of art would actually kind of like the core of what defines good art is the capacity to imitate Mm -hmm. and perfect yeah well yeah disclaimer i went to a western art school imperialist that's right you imperialist that's very much Literally, right man we need like the darth vader theme to play. <laughs> right. sorry for the other person listening for um but we have some sound effects and we have to use them there you go that's more accurate every answer i give you should probably play that button yeah Ho- hopefully that's not annoying because we're going to do more of it so yeah i mean i think that there is it's really the idea that um, I think art is something that pushes the bounds of craftsmanship. Maybe is a better way of saying it. That it's mm. you know it's um, it's utilizing a, a specific set of skills. And, and you you actually have this question in here too, which is like how important is craftsmanship or technical excellence to art, right? Mm. And I think the answer is that it's incredibly important to it, um, but it's not the only thing that's important. No, that's fair. That the project is actually about something else. Yeah, it's important that you're a good painter. It's important that that you understand that like painters understand the full scope and full um you know, technical attributes of painting, of the medium, of whatever it is. Um before you can not not to say that you can't test the bounds of that prior to being a, like an expert on it, but right. that it is important to have an understanding of the processes 
as they are. You could be a good storyteller and not have a very good command of the English language. Right. But you'll be a better storyteller if you do have a good command of the English language. Oh, if, exactly. Assuming you're talking to an English audience. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's 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 helpful. So then what so art is not craftsmanship, but craftsmanship is important to good art. Mm-hmm. So again, it, I mean, you talked about art as self-expression. You talked about it, art as pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, so like we treat it differently as culturally, right? We treat art and craftsmanship differently. This is not like, this should not be a new idea that, that no, I'm that's introducing, fair. right? So like no. you go to like Steve walking into a shop that's selling you know, jewelry or things made out of like wood or like, you know, like something that a carpenter would have made or, or even like you go into a shop, let's say here on Elmwood where like they're selling paintings of Buffalo or things like that. And then you go to the Albright Knox, right? There was sort of two very different environments. Well, so this is, this is where like, this is why I'm interviewing you yeah. is because I walk into places where they sell craftsmanship. I have no interest in walking into places where they sell art. I'm like way more impressed with the woodworker than I am Jackson Pollock. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. I mean, again, you're helping to open my eyes. Yeah. I would ask you why, why that is. Well, what, what is it about walking into a shop that has, yeah, like let's say, you know, something that a carpenter has made, uh, that you're, you don't take that same approach or appreciation into a museum environment, for instance, or a gallery or something like that? No, it's a good question. I mean, I think definitely it's tied to, I don't know that visual arts have ever really captured me very well. Hmm. So, I mean, I do a fair bit of carpentry, mostly rough construction. I've tried my hand at some furniture building and I know how bad I am at it. So when I'm in the presence of something that truly took skill to build, like I, I have enough skill to be able to assess somebody's skill in furniture building to be really impressed by something that's really well made. So that's that. I think, you know, when I look at like some of the, I mean, I'm picking on Jackson Pollock, even though I really, I'm, he's not like, somebody I particularly hate or anything, but like, I look at that and I'm like, I could do that, Yeah, you know, and you might be able to tell me why I can't. And I'm sure that anybody who knows anything about art would be able to tell the difference immediately between a Steve Shank and a Jackson. Sure. But it's like, I look at it and it doesn't, it doesn't impress me at the beginning as something that took any skill. Um, but then also even cause I mean, I definitely have seen stuff like more of the like Renaissance stuff where you're like, man, this is an incredible painting it clearly took a lot of skill to produce that kind of an image of a human being, but I'd be way more impressed to look at you across the table from me than I would be at a painting of you. And, and I don't know, like, mm-hmm. does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. It just, it's not as beautiful as like standing in front of a sunset, looking at a painting of a sunset. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, um, I would argue that, you know, so like Steve walking to into the Albright Knox and looking at a Jackson Pollock, and saying that I could do that is <laughs> probably like what one of the things that to me makes it compelling as art, you know? So okay, like, now you got to unpack that. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, like you have like these different space, right? So like, um, um, I, I've got to try to be eloquent here, uh, or at least to my best, to my, do my best. Um, so for instance, there was a, a sculptor who I studied and for a number of years actually worked at um, this place called the Dia Art Foundation, which was, uh, they're, they're based primarily in New York City. They have this uh, outpost in Beacon, New York, which is about an hour and some change outside of the city. And they also have these sites sort of all over the Southwest and, and a couple of spots in Europe. Um, and they, at, at in Beacon, which is where I worked primarily, uh, they have this the col- this collection of the sculptor. His name is Fred Sandback, which all his sculpture was. And granted, he was a very successful artist, um, but his his sculpture was pieces of colored string that were just like pinned into the into the ground and just ex- uh, stretching across a certain space and a certain design. Mm. Um, and 
it's the kind of thing that uh, like what happened often at the museum was that people didn't even see it and they would walk into it and like tear it down or get caught in it and just be like, ah, and like, it's not precious, right? Like he talks about, he talked, he's not living now. He talked a lot about his work and his writings about it, like specifically not needing to be precious. Um, But uh, I'll never forget something I read about him talking about his work was that his work, uh, he talks about breaking down this like medieval dynamic between art and just like culture or art and like, like people like you and I walking into a museum to look at it where you walk into like, if we went to the Met right in New York where it's all these beautiful, like old, old paintings that have, you know, been <laughs> worked on for years and years and years and demonstrate this meticulous quality and, and attention to detail and skill, right. That, a, that a painter would have or a sculpture, the, all these classical sculptures, um, that Fred Sandback talks about wanting to destroy that space between the viewer and the artist, right. Where there's this like imbalance of power, this like imbalance of hierarchy. Um, and he talks about like kicking the pedestal out from underneath, like, let's say Michelangelo's David, right. Like kicking that pedestal out and bringing the sculptural space down into our space. Um, and I think that a Jackson Pollock, like for instance, you're talking about like the Jackson Pollock at the Albright Knox, that that kind of does a similar thing Mm. in that moment when you walk in and go, I could do that. That That's, that's kind of the thing that's happening, Mm. Um, which I think is very powerful. And I would argue very Christian, Mm. right? (laughs) Like that concept. Um, so yeah. Does that make sense? I mm. tried to, I, I feel like I kind of got there. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I like, I want to follow up uh, on that, but I, I realized something just as, so what I said, I talked about like not being captivated by visual art as much, but mm. you showed me in one of, one of our art appreciation courses for dummies, <laughs> you showed me the, the guy who was doing, and maybe it was two different guys, but the guys doing the like massive sculptures mm-hmm. with like boulders. And then there was a guy doing it with, um, with uh, Earth Movers, was that the same guy? Yeah, Michael okay. Heiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, that was cool. And I was even just seeing pictures of it. We weren't there, so right. being there, I'm sure would be like awe inspiring, right? Yeah. But then also the kinds of art pieces that I am attracted to are so like Starry Night. That's mm-hmm. like well, I don't know what you would call that, like impressionistic or yeah, right. And that, and part of why I like it is precisely because it's fantastical in nature. It's like, I mean, it's, it's still forms you can understand, you know, it's still the world or it's people or whatever, but it's, it's, it's playful. Yeah. And I like that and colorful and bright. I like that too. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> I like the shiny things. <laughs> sure. So, well, and I think that there's other, like for instance, Fred Sandback sculptures, for instance, I mean, uh, they were, they were colorful, all sorts of different colorful types of strings and things like that. So mm. it's, it's that too, but it's not, uh, certainly different from that too. <laughs> and also I would say, I mean, Jackson Pollock's paintings are incredibly colorful too, Yeah, but in a different way. I mean, you know, I would argue there, there's probably even more colors on a Jackson Pollock painting than there are on. I wouldn't have a problem night. with a Jackson Pollock hanging on my wall. I just wouldn't pay money for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I'd be like, that's kind of cool. Let's put that up there. Is this was this like five dollars at a garage sale? Oh nope, it's a little more than that. A little bit more, <laughs> right? It is. Hmm. So maybe I I don't know what to do with that part of it, like the art and money and its worth question. I don't know that we want to talk about that today. I I actually yeah. think like what you had said about Jackson Pollock's move and the other the sculptor or whatever his name was. You said it a couple times. What's his name? Fred Sandback. Fred Sandback. That like what they were doing with the art in, I guess you would say like democratizing it in some way, shape or form is a fundamentally Christian move that, well, so maybe I I have, I have a specific question to ask, but before, before I ask that, just talk more about why, like what that means to you to say that that is a Christian way of thinking about art or doing art, why you said that and what you mean by it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and this, this isn't, this isn't me as like, an official art critic or anything like that. This is just my, my personal experience with, with uh, uh, several artists specifically that were, uh, that were on, that are in the, the Dia Art Foundation's collection, which I've, I've spent a lot of time around and, and studying and, 
talking about and writing about and things like that in my couple of years working there. Um, and I, I think that a lot of the artists, I mean, we could talk specifically through Fred Sandback, but, um, we're very much interested in, uh, I think challenging, challenging the institutions of the art world in mm. particular. Um, you know, challenging the, that idea that you like sort of that space we were talking about where like you walk into a museum and you, there's this dynamic that you're sort of expected, you're expecting to be like impressed. You know, there is this like this sort of power struggle at play between, I feel like between <laughs> curators and the public, if you want to call it that, or, you know, mm. it's like you walk in and like you're, you know, it's important. You know, like, so like I imagine you walk, like just to keep going back to this example, but like Steve, you walk into the Albright Knox and you're staring at the Jackson Pollock and you're like wrestling with these questions of like, someone thinks this is important enough that it needs to be here and it's on long-term view here. And I had to pay 12 bucks to get in and it's worth like $3 million. Like what in, like what in the world is going on? And I think that some of those artists that I like Fred Sandback, for instance, was, um, it's challenging that, that, that space, you know, like it's just yarn that he got at like the store yeah, and strung it up from the floor to the ceiling. And then whatever, like the piece changes wherever it is. So if it's in a small gallery, it's a smaller piece. If it's in a big museum, it's stretching all the way up to the ceiling of this big museum. And, uh, I think it, 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 uh, humble, I don't know, it like in a way like humbles the institution, uh, you know, cause it, I think it sort of makes that tension bigger between, cause like I, we would deal with a lot of questions of like, what is this? Is this just like, am I, is this just like markers or like, I'm not allowed to walk over here? <laughs> like, no, this is the sculpture. Is this, what is this orange cone on the floor? Is this <laughs> yeah. like a wet floor? Like, don't no, touch that. No, that's actually the art. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I kind of so, like that. Yeah. And I, I think um, the way that that, I, that has played into my faith, I feel like is um, trying to summarize this in a way like, Like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like with, like as cheesy as it sounds, I feel like that's just kind of like what Jesus did. <laughs> that's, I'm trying to come up with a more eloquent way to say that, but I, I just think that that's what it is. You know? No, no. I, I mean, I drew that conclusion immediately. I just didn't want to say it because I I'm trying to think of question. a different way to say it, but I don't think there is really a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That that's kind of like, the stories that we read about Jesus, like sort of coming in and interrupting this sort of like cultural precedent or this hierarchy and things like that. So I think art has a, certainly has a role in that as well. If that answers that. Pointing out that the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. It's important. Mm -hmm. Artists are good at that usually. Just sometimes they're also the emperor. Right. Yes. (laughs) So that, hmm, that's probably not the best way to ask this question. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was about, um, like the way art should be, or at least sometimes should be accessible to the community as a whole, which, I mean, that's kind of what you were talking about with, um, with Pollock and Sandback, right? Sandback is that, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, and where, where that, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mark's showing me a picture of, I like that. That's super cool. Yeah. I can both see why people wouldn't understand that that was art and how it actually is art. And also would simultaneously walk through it. Yeah. Right. And not see it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Literally not see it. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Um, sorry to everybody who's listening. It's basically <laughs> me, Mark and Amanda who are listening to this. Podcast. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so, Sorry. right. No, it's good. I'm, that's my skill is being distracted. So, right. And so the context for that often, like as a pastor um, or even just as a Christian, is um, worship music, right? Mm-hmm. And so music obviously is art. Worship music is like I would say something else. Um, and oftentimes 
most musicians and particularly Christian musicians are incredibly disparaging of Christian music, Yeah, which I can understand some of, but then they also are equally disparaging oftentimes of worship music without distinguishing like Christian music that you listen to on the Christian radio station and worship music, which really I would say is this other thing, you know, it's like liturgical art and liturgical in the sense that it is design like its function is for a bunch of people who are not musically talented to sing it to God. Mm -hmm. Right. So that means that by definition it, I mean, that's like, that's like saying, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to design a sculpture, a sculpture for two year olds to create and then give to their parents, it better not be Michelangelo's David, or you've misunderstood the point of the art piece, right? Yeah. Red Sandback so, would be great for that. Right, exactly. So so like for this to be something that the community can engage in, but still be music, it's inherently going to have to be stripped away of like the technical expertise or even some of the like, you know, creativity, not all of it, obviously there's room for all of that, but, but it's got to be something that's singable by, you know, the, the whole population of singers, including people who can't sing. Right. And, and so, but I also wouldn't want to call that not art. I mean, for as long as there have been human beings, that was art. It's only in the last couple hundred years that this other thing that Jackson Pollock does is art. You know what I mean? Like, so literally for, at least as I understand it, as, as long as there's been art, like art was more like what went on in church mm -hmm. than what went on in the artistic community while they all pointed their fingers at how bad the art in church was. Am I wrong no, in that? No, it's, it's a really interesting thing that's happened. Right. Well, so that's where like that question. Of, and so like for you to say like those two artists are examples of kind of like kind of a Christian move in art, that's intriguing to me. And I totally, I, I track with you, but also just wonder how that speaks to that, that idea of like everybody getting to play in the art space as a part of what either worship is or like the creative human endeavor as, as a, as a part of our expression of worship to God. And even just as a part of our expression of what it means to be human beings made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that clearly brings down the level of what the art is. If you're going to judge it from the standard of what gets hung in the Albright Knox I don't know. That wasn't a very good question. That was more like a ramble that you can <laughs> respond to. <laughs> I think respond. It, Go. <laughs> I think. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> if if I'm looking back on like the his like there's that's no doubt this weird thing that is maybe weird is the right word, but like this thing that has happened where the church was primarily responsible for art and architecture for thousands of years, and then you know, it drops off within, you know, like the last 150 years, you know, pretty dramatic drop off where now it's just kind of, uh, there's just a fracture between, you know, church communities and contemporary art communities, a pretty big fracture. Um, and I actually think it, it, I think it begs the question to me of, cause I, I would say that, that, value that we talk about as as a vineyard church right of everybody gets to play many contemporary artists are engaged in that mm -hmm. in in trying to work that out and manifest that in different ways in a way that christian artists i think some of them might not be and and even looking back at the history of of art oh, in the church that's incredibly disappointing that wasn't you know like yeah like the sistine chapel like i i don't know you know, like we're talking, like bring up Michelangelo, for instance, right? Like, well, like, I don't know. I, I think that there's, and like, we'll, we might never know the real, like some of the details around, like around that in particular, but you know, uh, that sort of, um, and, and again, I'm not an art historian, but that to me, it does, I, I think it is pretty clear that, um, the church, I mean, the church in general played a much more prominent role in defining culture up until recent history, right? Mm -hmm. Like previously it did. And that art has always had a, had a significant place in that. Um, whereas now, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep talking, but we'll come back to that. The, the role of art in the transmission of culture, mm -hmm. because I think so far what we've been talking about is more the role of art in like, 
critiquing or pushing the boundaries of culture, yeah, which sure. clearly, I, and I see both that is a definition of art and it's a function of art, but it, it almost like ignores the fact that art also does the exact opposite thing too. Anyway, we can come back to that, but you were talking about art history and. Well, I mean, I think, so this funny thing happened to me when I was going to art school where, um, you know, for a number of years as a teenager, I'm sort of trying to like, basically it was this, this strange, I don't know, try to summarize this in a, in a way that makes that's easy to say, but like, I was really reconciling this difference between, you know, the, the Christian faith that I was sort of raised in and like the Christian American culture that I was raised in. And also uh, this sort of very, very countercultural type of uh, community, which was the arts community, you know, um, and, you know, going to art school and like telling my family, that's what I'm going to do and getting various degrees of pushback on that. Because I think, especially as an 18 year old going to art school is a very countercultural thing for, for whatever reason it just is. And, uh, and then you get to art school. So for me, I went to uh, this place called the Corcoran college of art in Washington, DC. Uh, it wasn't too far from home, but it also wasn't at home, which was important. <laughs> and, uh, I, um, the, like we're in, in our first like art history classes. Right. And it's all about the history of the church. <laughs> I'm like what? Like why, why are certain people in my family pushing back on me going to art school and learning the history of the church? I know, I've learned more church history in art school than I ever learned in this the church. First semester, I'm like <laughs> jam packed with church history. I've never learned any of this in my entire life. That's fascinating. Um, so yeah, that is a fascinating thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I think it, the, there's a lot of questions I have there that I don't have answers for of like, you know, the, and I do think it is there's part of it that's related to the church was responsible for, for making culture and was, you know, very, very culturally relevant for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, art is a part of that mm -hmm. and was a part of the way that the church communicated, you know, mm -hmm. um, there's the other component that we've talked, we, we say we don't really want to get too much into it, but that's the wealth component, right? The church was also usually the wealthiest, right. Um, you know, uh, entity in the community or institution in the community. And therefore, uh, you know, artists need patrons. That's the, that's the one thing that hasn't changed. Right. Um, so there, there's that dynamic too. And then in the, you know, the last 150, 200 years, um, that dynamic has changed pretty dramatically. So yeah, there's a fracture there. Yes, there is. So I guess maybe these questions are related, but to go back to that question that I kind of pointed in the middle of what you were saying that, you know, the way that we conceive of art today, at least in, in the, in the West to the degree that I'm aware of it is as kind of like pushing the boundaries of culture and critiquing culture, right? Mm -hmm. It's more of this, like be your authentic self in a way that clearly is in kind of like rebellion against yeah. all of this other stuff. Right. Um, and which is interesting to think about art is supposed to be authentic, but it's not supposed to be used to communicate truth. Like that's an interesting thing to think about. Who told you that? The, I would say that that's what I've learned from artists. Say that, that again. Art has to be authentic, right? It had like that idea of like, no, 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 this is like my, I'm like being true to like what, it, like the art just does its own thing. Like I'm just a vessel for the art. Like I'm sure you've heard that idea. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Those are my words, but like that's yeah. me channeling 30 artists that I've talked to, you know, like if I try to put like some sort of like constraints on my art to make it say or do something, then it's not art. Right. Yeah. So there's this sense of like, it has to be authentic, which is a way of saying that it has this relationship to truth, right? Authenticity. Right. But then like, what about truths that are like universally accepted or culturally accepted truths that aren't actually truths that you discovered by looking deep into your navel? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, what about those truths? Like are those, and, and again, like that's, um, that is so cultural creation or cultural transmission and the role of art in that is, is also, I mean, and this is maybe where, 
you might see at least in like in America things like movies or you know where it's that's a lot more obvious I think um, than maybe in like visual arts which you have way more knowledge of the visual arts than I do or I don't what would you even call it? but like paintings and yeah, stuff sure. in museums like I don't I have very little connection to the museum art world um, fine arts is that what you yeah, would call sure. it all right yeah. um, but there but that's a place where there seems to be a clear role for art and it still functions as art when it does that. And I would say that Christians engaged in art should be doing both of those things. Um, And that's even where like the Pajot clip that you and I listened to together, uh, just around him basically arguing that the future of art is iconography. That was basically what he said. That's bold. (laughs) Um, I like that though. No, totally. That like, that's the direction that all art is going in is more this, like instead of the, I mean, I guess he wouldn't say that there's no critiquing inherent in art or that that's bad, but he definitely, he's more talking about that, like the positive aspect, not positive. You know what I mean? Like the, Mm -hmm. the like transmission of value and culture, um, that that is the role for art. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. that was a ramble, not a question. <laughs> yeah, that's wasn't a, even a very coherent. Wasn't ramble. even a question. <laughs> um, you should say that in a different way. You should ask that in a different way. Mm. What? Well, so you one I, thing I, that I you got, pointed out that I, I thought was interesting ahead. was Go ahead. is that idea of truth. I don't think you should just let that. Right. Stay there. You know, I think that art's um, relationship with truth is a is a complex one. And that mm-hmm. and I think you even asked me that question in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You, you sent me some questions ahead of time. And one of them was this one, which is what is the proper relationship between art and truth? And is art all, like undermined by attempts to communicate? Um and I would argue that the proper relationship between art and truth is that it uh, is complex and mysterious. <laughs> okay. That it should be that. That's the proper. I'll buy that. Yeah. You should talk more about that. But I'll buy on the on the surface. I like that answer. Yeah. That that's what I would say. Um, and that art is created by that process of trying to communicate that something that's mysterious. Maybe an idea or something that. Uh, I mean, I've certainly had this this um in my own art making process of um you know feeling something like feeling something and not being able to necessarily describe it in a way um and that being the driving force to like keep working keep making whatever it is you know for my for for me it was oftentimes uh, uh much of my work was photographic sometimes it was sculptural components um so that was the thing that kind of kept me driving, like kept me going out at the crack of dawn, going to try to like find something, you know, to make a picture or a film or whatever. Um, and I, I think one of the best examples that I have uh, so far, just in my own, uh, I guess, I think it was in school that we, we came across this example, but one of the best examples of that complexity between art and truth for me was, um, and so again, I'm in the context of studying photography and for like you could look at just through the lens of photography how complex the that role between art and truth is right where it's like even now i mean it's you know in the era of like people being able to photoshop things and alter images and alter videos now right so like there's this like overwhelming complexity now and anxiety even and i I think often I, many people, myself included, for a, at least for a time, I had this uh, inclination that that was something that was new to the medium. You know, there's this like anxiety of like, oh wow, it's like it's never been this difficult to decipher if a photograph is real or not because we see these old pictures of like, I don't know, like I remember looking at pictures of World War II or something. You know, like like the D-Day pictures of like, wow, that's that's like a that's a document. That's what happened. That's this like photojournalist. Uh, photojournalistic type of image and uh, we were reading about uh, one of the earliest pictures ever made um, was by this guy Roger Fenton 
and it was during the Crimean war and it was in 1855. I think I shared an article mm-hmm. with you about this. Right. And so he is lugging around this massive eight by 10 view camera, which, um, is probably weighed 30 to 40 pounds and you have to set it up. Like anyone who who's listening might like have an, a visual of this. It's the type of camera where you like spread out the bellows and you get underneath the dark cloth and you're standing there. Um, and if anyone's ever, ever used cameras like that, which I, which I have, um, taking a picture probably takes an hour, mm. you know? And so Wait, let you're, me not, my you're not going to capture battle, right? So exactly. Like you're not going to capture like conflict and, and, and like the, the, all the movement and stuff that goes on in a battle. So what he did was he photographed the road where all the cannonballs were. And this, again, this is during a, a battle of the Crimean war. And there's these two images that emerged. One was where all these cannonballs are in the trenches. And then there's another image where um, same exact setup, only now the cannonballs are spaced out in all these different ways all across the road. And this image that he published in the, in the newspaper was called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And it's, and it basically sparked this like controversy. And, and there's the, this artist, Errol Morris, who, who uh, wrote an essay for the New York Times about this where he, he went on this journey to figure out like, it's kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg type of argument of like, did he move the cannonballs to make a better picture or like, did something else happen? Like what happened? And eventually find out like, yeah, Roger Fenton, it seems likely that he moved these cannonballs around to make a better image to convey some, some type of drama about what happened, but it's not a true picture of what happened, you know? And so that's just one specific example, but um, I think that's what I'm talking about of like, mm-hmm. there is this, it, it conveys another essence of what he's trying, like an essence about the event that he witnessed that, you know, even if the, the, uh, the document itself is, is false, the emotions that it creates are, are true. Yeah. Don't, don't let it's the complex. facts get in the way of the truth. Right. It's complex. <laughs> and I think it should be that way. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll take that. No, for sure. I mean, I think uh, that's, I, I, I like that, that, that art has a complex and mysterious relationship to the truth, but it does have a relationship to the truth and that, and that you can, and maybe, maybe that that's actually helpful too. Now that you say it that way, like when I reflect back on some of the conversations that I've had with artists, and I mean, most of these are Christian artists who are deeply critical of Christian art. Mm-hmm. I think that actually what, what they really were trying to say. So what they said is art can't be about truth. That's kind of what they said, which to me was, it seemed incredibly stupid. And I, I would say is incredibly stupid. Um, but I think if they were and you know, these, these are not, you know, this is just different conversations over the years. So these weren't all necessarily conversations like this one where we've spent an hour talking about it. Sure. But I think what actually they were getting at, if I'm going to be generous. That's fair. <laughs> and, but, 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 but true. I think what they were getting at is that they were critical of Christian art precisely because the art doesn't have a mysterious and complex relationship with the truth. Mm. It, it has a, you know, kind of overly simplistic and um, forced relationship with the truth. And that I could get behind. Yeah. Cause I like a lot of the things they would point at, I'd, I would agree with. Yeah, that's bad art. Like I yeah. agree with your assessment of that. But I don't think that it's bad art because it has a concern with truth. Uh, because we can point at other examples of art that are clearly trying to communicate something very intentional. Yeah. That have a, strong relationship to truth that are still art. Yeah. But the relationship is in your, in the words of Mark Harley, <laughs> that's right. Complex right. and mysterious. No, yeah. that's helpful. Yeah. And I, I think that there are, it's important. It's, it's helpful to think through that, through the context of Christian art too. I mean, I think I can only really speak to Christian art and, America, you know, that's probably right. the only, uh, you know, Christian art that I've been exposed to. And I think that, um, it's probably fair to say, and this isn't like, I don't, it's not good to generalize and generally, 
um, there are a lot of really talented Christian artists and I've interacted and I've interacted with many of them and I admire a lot of their work too. But um, I do think that the Amer- there's a dynamic, um, there's just a, a tough dynamic as an American Christian artist. And I think it has more to do, it might have more to do with the Christian and church component than it does with the art component. That's fair. <laughs> like, and I, I don't exactly know how to back that up, but that's just my instinct. Yeah. You know, like it, I think it has, it might have more to do with, and this is something I've reconciled in my own um, life and faith. Uh, you know, art, it was, I think art actually, the process of making art and, um, you know, just looking at the world and being curious and asking a lot of questions of the world really helped me become a better, it actually like exposed me to, I don't know. I feel like I actually learned who God was that way. Talk more about that. Um, I mean, as someone who grew up in the church, you know, you're, you are uh, exposed to, you you just kind of learn the story, Hmm. you know, and you, you learn the story before you learn the nuance and, and all the complexities of it. And I think that there's, um, for me, for me, there was just this process I had to go through of, um, of starting to like work some of those things out and look for some of those things in the world, you know? So that relates, I think, to the conversation you and I were having with Aaron earlier Mm -hmm. before, before this, just about the, the importance of uncertainty to like a mature faith and, the um maybe even the 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 this isn't exactly what Aaron said. I'm trying to remember some of the exact words he used, but just like the the way in which like the removal of uncertainty or the pushing away of uncertainty can actually end up being really damaging to our faith and to our lives as human just as human beings. Um right and I think that that to me that asks I think that asks the question of is what makes bad Christian art? Is it is it bad art or is it a bad faith <laughs> no like that hurt like told you there'd be one of those yeah wow no that's not for you i know that's for the yeah it's for mean, the church yeah, right. <laughs> well, oh. I, I think that uh, to me that i don't know that asked that question i'm not saying that that's guaranteed what the problem is but that's a question we should answer or at least ask. Yeah. So the product of the, the, the result of a bad Christian art might not necessarily be because the art is bad. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking through certain Christian artists that I have interacted with and who are very talented. Um, they're, they're very talented craftsmen, right? Like Mm -hmm. they, they have the skills and they're, um, but they're, the content that they're making, right? It's it's the content that is, I think, what makes it bad. And I'm not, like, that's not to try to sing, like call anyone out. I'm not even thinking of anyone in particular. It's just when I hear that general thing of like, oh, yeah, Christian art can be bad or whatever. Um, I think it's, that's what people are talking about. It's the content. So maybe that that idea of like, that authenticity of artistic expression maybe bad christian art really is deeply authentic <laughs> oh <laughs> that's horrible yeah that's bad oh man we shouldn't leave that there as a preacher i'm gonna go home and pray <laughs> oh my gosh oh thanks mark but that's i think that that's like to go back to where we were at a couple of minutes ago of like the, this divide has happened you know I mean, as we've made our way through modernism and postmodernism, there's this clear divide between the church and culture, if you want to call it that, right? And that I think that's part of it. Yeah, no, it totally is. Well, so we've been doing this for... Almost an hour. Almost an hour. Are there any other questions that I asked that we haven't touched on that you think we should? Um, I, we talked about criticism of, of Christian art, and... And then I think it would be 
also good to talk about the role. What, like you asked me this mm, question yeah. of like, what is the role of Christians in the art world or, or this? And I actually think like, I, I don't, I don't want to be super negative, but, um, and so like I'm, I, my antidote to be like this negative <laughs> couple of minutes that we've had <laughs> is that I actually think that the vineyard is, uh, as I've learned more, like, uh, you know, I, I showed up at the Buffalo Vineyard a few years ago. And what's kind of cool is actually, I think we are, we first met when we were talking about art over at Ashker's. Mm. I think that was the first time that you and I actually had a conversation. Cool. And that was a few years ago. But um, since learning more about just the bigger vineyard movement, I actually think the vineyard movement is like doing cool things in this space, mm. um, specifically around worship music, mm-hmm. right? Like um, there's a really cool, I don't know, like they, they value um, sort of indiv- like uh, regional types of expression of worship, right? right? Which if we were talking about like liturgical art, like mm-hmm. that's one of those things that I would certainly say falls in that category. You know, and, and I think it's manifested by just how diverse Vineyard's worship community is. You know, there's like bluegrass and soul and like rock and roll. And then you go back to the kind of like the classic like 70s and 80s, like Wimber, like jazzy songs. Right. Um, and then there's like the hippies on a beach stuff. Right, too. exactly. And um, that to me, I feel like is is good stuff. Mm. I don't know. Like like some of the, I mean, some of the Vineyard songs, even that have come out recently are just like, I think capture kind of some of that, uh, the quality of what I was talking about with Fred Sandback earlier, like that, that hierarchy is dismantled. You know, it's like, it's songs that anyone can sing. It's words that people know it's simple melodies. You know, you don't have to be like watching a screen to read the lyrics to sing this song. You know, I feel like, so I don't know. I, I throw that out as just like a positive thing that I've experienced in the vineyard, which I think is cool. Um, that has, that I've benefited from, I think. um, And then to just kind of touch on a little bit on this question of like, what, what the role of, what should the role of Christians be in the art world or like individual Christian artists? And I think that one thing I, I at least wanted to float by you that I was thinking about prior to this conversation was, I think maybe the, it's related to that idea of like the content being off. And I think that, um, and even someone like Jonathan Pajot, who's making icons, you know, it's like very, very content heavy. I do wonder though, if like thinking like the better way to be thinking about Christian art is to be thinking about Christian artists, but not, and not thinking about like Christian art, you mm. know, not thinking about the product, but we should be thinking about what, do Christian artists do in the world? You know, like the church, I think should be very much invested in Christian artists, Hmm. maybe less so invested in what the product is, you know, what, what content they create, what that looks like. Um, Yeah. But we should definitely be, um, (laughs) like investing in artists with Christian, uh, curiosities, right? Yeah. Looking for those things in our world looking for where God's kingdom is manifesting itself in our world. No, that's, I think that's spot on. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a, so there's room for, well, so you and I, we talked about, I think, I don't know if you, I I know you and I talked about this. I don't know if you remember it, but there was the, that, um, that quadrant of, it was specifically around like business marketplace leaders. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the four different ways that, um, Christians who are in the marketplace could think about engaging right out of their vocation. Um, And we had talked about how it would be cool to do that same kind of thinking through what does it look like for uh, an artist, a Christian artist to engage in these different ways out of their artistic vocation. Um, And at the very least you would have to say that there's room for the artist to speak to the church right from their unique vocation speaking back to the church and saying hey like let me let me help you <laughs> yeah. let me help you think let me help you sing let me help you explore let me help you look at the world in a look, particular way right exactly so like the artist should be able to and i mean that could be something as simple as like hey let me do your graphic design on your bulletin because yeah, that's right. really bad but it also could be way more it could be like let me write a song for you 
And it also could be way more um, comprehensive and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not iconoclastic, but you like that, like some of the ways that, that you were talking about art before is like kind of anti-institutional, right? Like there's mm. some ways that artists could be doing that work inside the church that very much aligns with the work of Jesus. Yeah. Um, but then also there's a way in which I think Christian artists need to let the church direct them too, right? Where it's like, hey, so you have this vocation out in the world, but remember like you're doing that as a part of a community that has larger aims than just painting or sculpting right. or, you know, there's, there is more to it than that. Um, and that there would be like a mutual dialogue between individual Christian artists and the larger Christian community yeah. in, in both ways. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think that that sounds like what, um, I don't know, like God's kingdom and God's community looks like it's like, <laughs> it should be that that should be something like that. You know, like both, um, sounds like that's something we should try and pull off. Yeah. It sounds compelling, <laughs> you yeah. know, like I, I think that there's, uh, it's that to me sounds like an in the world, but not of the world type of relationship, you know, mm. between an artist and a church that would be um, worth trying. And I think that there are churches that are trying that. I'm mm -hmm. sure that there are. Mm -hmm. I know that there are, I've, I've heard of several churches that have like artists in residence, for instance, things like that. Um, and I think that that's a cool way to think about that and to try that. Um, yeah, no, I think that that's, that's really interesting. Um, I had a thought, but I just forgot it. Artisan residence. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's one way to think about it. Um, you know, I think that that's just like an easy way for, for some churches to try to, to navigate that chasm, right? Like that divide. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't know. I think the, a question that I had for you, I think going into this was, I think specifically from your like role as like a pastor is, I have the question and I, I asked this question cause I don't, I haven't been, I don't think I've just been involved in a church long enough or I haven't thought enough about the history of a church to have a good answer for it. But like that, like the church began like distancing itself from aesthetics, you mm. know, like at some point. And I wonder why that is, you know, like what, what happened? So, I mean, my answer to that question is not like, I have some sense of why, and I know that there are different periods throughout church history, but my, so like I have done some reading of church history and, um, but, but usually through the lens of more like theological questions or maybe like social or political kinds of things, sure. less about art. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I, so I, I think those are, know. I think they're related though. Right. Well, yeah. so you have the, the iconoclast controversy, which that's, that's ancient. Um, I don't know how that would have been perceived through the lens of art specifically. Yeah. I mean, cause that's, that's more specific to the use of images during worship or, or like iconography really. Right. And yeah. so that's, that's very specific. And, and I, I don't know, I don't know how that affected art, but I think what you're referring to is more like in the last few generations in the West. Yeah. Um, and I would point out that that's not true for the church. That's true for a specific corner of the church. Yeah, that's right? true. And it happens to be the corner that you and I were raised in. Yeah, so right. like, that's why it seems like the corner, like the whole church. Um, but you know, the, the Catholics and the Orthodox, they didn't do any of that. And probably you could say, I don't, I don't know if you would like point at the Anglican Episcopalian corner of the church and say they did, they probably did some of that. I don't know. But like, they still have all the stained glass and architecture yeah. and <laughs> they still have like cheesy felt board Sunday school art. But yeah, right. anyway, I, I, I think it's definitely there's like some culture war stuff, Yeah, you know, like that setting, like the church setting itself up in opposition to the culture um, or an isolate, like either retreating from or fighting with the culture. Which um, I would add that artists are usually pretty good at that. Right. So it's interesting that that's like, right. Yeah. Th that's like a, that is, you would think that there would be common cause between the church <laughs> yeah. and the art around both of those. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
No, that's fair. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, even you had said it earlier. I didn't. I don't know if I commented on it. I don't think I did. But just that there, there are oftentimes things that go on in culture, and it, and it seems like the the art world is one of those where what is happening is um, non Christians or secular 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 groups or spaces attempting to recreate um, really like the church in out of like something genuine. Like it's like, no, this is actually something valuable that we've lost because we've walked away from the church. And I mean, to some degree you can blame secular culture for that, but also to some degree you got to blame the church for that too, that the church has in some ways abandoned its, its role or its function or its calling in, in the world. Um, and there are some really, uh, obvious manifestations of that, even here, you know, like you go, um, to assembly house 150. Have you ever heard of that place? Mm -mm. It's in this old church. Yep. It's in this old church. Uh, I believe it's on Edward street near where like Elmwood goes down through Elmwood or Elmwood goes down through Allentown and bends around a little bit. There's this old, beautiful church down there. And it's been turned into um, just basically like this nonprofit center that teaches people how to like build and all these different things. This is a really dynamic institution. Pretty sure I know the building. I know, it's in this I know the beautiful church, right? And it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, <laughs> like clearly we're seeking something, and like you know that is like some of these um, mm. Christian values severed from like the 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 main root or whatever right but, but then and then the fact that that would actually be taking place inside of an old yeah. abandoned church building right and there's all these other instances of like you know mm. artists living in churches and using them as studios and things like that kind of mm. happening all over the place but yeah that's I think it's a pretty obvious like if you if you were in the room with us you would know that we're both kind of cringing <laughs> oh it doesn't smell good at all uh, well that's probably a good place for us to stop talking yeah. that's that's a, an hour and six minutes Let's see how um, it goes. Yeah. So if you made it this far, uh, <laughs> Mark, Mark and I will listen to this. That's two. Amanda, that's three. That's right. If we get four people to make it to the hour and six minute mark, you can um, let us know what you think. Secret message. All right. <laughs> that's it. <laughs>